0: This is the Scottish Football Citizen, bringing you the best of Scottish football from the past. I'm Andy Kerr, and this week I'm joined by Lindsay Hamilton, Jim Orr, and special guest contributor Alan Johnston, as we conclude our four-part series about Sir Alec Ferguson's career in Scotland before he went to Old Trafford to become one of World Football's titans of management. This is the story of Alec Ferguson and Aberdeen the city where he truly began his journey to becoming one of the greatest managers in the world.
1: Before we get started with this week's podcast, we have your weekly dose of trivia. How many trophies did Alex Ferguson win in his time at Aberdeen? We'll give you the answer at the end of the podcast.
2: On the 6th of May 1978, the Scottish Cup final was played at Hampden Park between Rangers and Aberdeen. Rangers under Joe Wallace had won both the League Championship and the League Cup and were looking to complete an historic treble. Aberdeen had finished second in the league, two points behind Rangers, and Billy McNeil was looking not only to emulate the success of his predecessor Ali McLeod, who had won the League Cup recently, he was also aiming to stop his old foes from his Celtic days completing the treble. Buses and trains full of Don's fans made their way down to Glasgow for the Scottish Games' showpiece event. Despite Aberdeen being one of the best teams in the country, few out with their own support would tag them as favourites to lift the cup. Despite Ali McLeod guiding the Dandies to the League Cup in 1976, that result came as a huge shock to many. Most onlookers expected Aberdeen to revert to type as the perennial bridesmaids, who would get only so far but to fall at the final hurdle. Even Billy McNeil, a man used to winning, a Celtics nine-year-old captain, admitted to the press that just being involved in the final was excellent for the city of Aberdeen. In the end, Joe Wallace's Rangers looked right at home on the Hamden turf as they went in at the break winning 1-0 thanks to Alex McDonald. In the second half, Derek Johnson netted to double the jail's advantage and Aberdeen could only manage an 85th minute consolation goal from Steve Ritchie. Michael Grant, a journalist and Aberdeen fan, summed it up when he said... They were waiting to lose. Waiting to get it all over with. Soon enough, they were put out of their misery. Rangers 2, Aberdeen 1. It was Rangers Day, and John Gregg lifted the cup as Aberdeen's fans left the stadium disappointed that after their last Hamden triumph, things had gone back to the way they were. Jock Wallace chose to leave Rangers on a high, and John Gregg went from captain to manager the following summer. Billy McNeil, despite only having been at Petrode for one season left Aberdeen to replace Jock Steen at his beloved Celtic For the third time in 32 months, the Aberdeen board had a big decision to make about replacing their manager Before appointing McNeil Chairman Dick Donald and his vice chairman Chris Anderson had been keen on poaching St Mirren's young, exciting manager Alex Ferguson but the buddies would not let the manager go in a stroke of luck, the St board fired Ferguson in the summer of 1978, despite the turnaround and relative success that he had brought to Love Street. Donald and Anderson jumped at the chance to bring Ferguson to the North East, and before he knew it, Alex Ferguson and his young family were embarking upon an adventure. The only thing about this adventure is that absolutely nobody
0: knew just how far it would take them. On being unveiled at Patodre mere hours after his sacking from St Mirren, Ferguson told the press, I'm thrilled at joining Aberdeen because I want to win things. You only need to look at the stadium and you can see it is ready for success. Fergie may have had the belief that Aberdeen was a sleeping giant that had lain dormant for far too long, but he would have to convince the rest of the country the same thing. For a club that had only won five honours in its 75-year history, it was going to take something special to change the culture of Always the Bridesmaid. Billy McNeil had been very well liked by the Aberdeen support for taking to the city and playing good football, albeit football that had failed to deliver a trophy. Big Billy would be a hard act to follow, but if there was anyone who could follow him, it was Alec Ferguson and Ferguson knew exactly what he had to do if he was going to bring sustained success to Aberdeen. There was simply no hope of making my team major contenders for honours unless we could beat the old firm on a regular basis. I had no intention of letting Aberdeen settle for isolated moments at centre stage. I wanted sustained achievement. I wanted trophies. Having met his squad he quickly realised that he would have to adapt his methods. The Aberdeen players objected to the way he went on about his old players at St Mirren doing certain things better than them. While Aberdeen had a decent squad of players and some promising youngsters, Ferguson knew that certain players were incompatible with his style of management. Regardless of how big a player was at the club, Ferguson's belief that no one player is bigger than the club was to see him fall out with Joe the King, Harper. Harper's poor fitness levels and fondness for drinking to excess away from football infuriated his new manager, who had rejected Harper's request for a testimonial. Joe Harper's card was marked. Having had former Ranger Davy Proven as his assistant at St Mirren, Ferguson chose not to take Proven with him to Pataudry due to both of them having ties with Rangers, which Don's fans would not take to if things did not go well. Pat Stanton became the new assistant manager, and manager and assistant were both helped along by kitman and coach Teddy Scott. An Aberdeen legend in his own right, Teddy Scott was with Aberdeen in various capacities from 1954 until he retired in 2003 and helped the new manager get to know his players. Things did not go as smoothly as Ferguson would have liked in his first season, but after beating Hibernian at Dens Park in the semi-finals of the League Cup, they were into the final where they would play Rangers and have a chance at redemption. Unfortunately, after the semi-final, Ferguson was hit with bad news on two fronts, as he lost his tribunal concerning his sacking from St Mirren, and his father, Alex Senior, sadly passed away. In the League Cup final against Rangers, the Dons started well, with Duncan Davidson opening the scoring, but Doug Rugby was sent off in controversial circumstances in the second half. This allowed Rangers to equalise through Alec MacDonald, and very late in injury time, Colin Jackson scored the winner for Rangers. Aberdeen had been beaten 2-1 by Rangers again, but the difference here was that they had put up a good fight. In the end, the Dons would finish fourth in the league and would lose 2-1 to Hibs in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup. After his first season in charge, Ferguson knew exactly what changes needed to be made to his squad. Players like Gordon Strachan, Neil Simpson, Eric Black, Jim Leighton, Neil Cooper, John Hewitt and Brian Gunn were emerging talents. And the signing of Mark McGee from Newcastle United the previous season had given the team new blood. Alec McLeish was partnered in central defence by Willie Miller and the two would go on to become one of the most solid defensive pairings in the club's history. Hugh Taylor of the times would go on to call the Dons squad the envy of every club in the land. With these new players now in the first team Ferguson believed the time was right for Aberdeen to start winning trophies. The Dons would come close to Silverware in the League Cup in 1979-80, as they defeated Arbroath, Meadowbank Thistle, Rangers, Celtic and their bogey team Morton to set up a derby final against Jim McLean's Dundee United. Despite the Dons throwing the kitchen sink at United in the final at Hamden the game ended goalless and would be replayed four days later at Dens Park. In the end, United won 3-0 to give the Terrors their first ever piece of major silverware and after congratulating Jim McLean on winning the Cup, Ferguson vowed to his players that they would never again lose a Cup final under him. It was a bold promise to make. Back to league business in January 1980, Aberdeen were 10 points behind Celtic, who were leading the pack. The Dons had games in hand though, and started to gain some momentum on the hoops. After a shock defeat to Kilmarnock in late February, Fergie's side went on a remarkable winning run that would propel them right up the league. The real test to see whether Aberdeen had the bottle to win the title would come in the form of two away games at Celtic Park in April 1980. The Dons won the first game 2-1 thanks to goals from Mark McGee and Drew Jarvie then returned later in the month and won 3-1 with goals from Gordon Strachan, Mark McGee and Stevie Archibald In the words of Fergie Who could stop us now?
2: On the penultimate weekend of the season Aberdeen travelled down to Easter Road to face a Bernian who had already been relegated and had little to play for as Celtic were held to a 0-0 draw against Dundee the Dons ran riot. A 5-0 win confirmed the league title would be heading back to Patorgia for the first time since 1955 and finally Alex Ferguson had bagged himself a major honour in the game. The celebrations went from the Easter Road dressing him all the way back up the A90 where the Dandies celebrated long into the night. As the season ended Aberdeen lost Steve Archibald to Tottenham Hotspur for £750,000 and Ferguson's assistant, Pat Stanton, departed to be replaced by Archie Knox. There was no way Ferguson was leaving Aberdeen. In addition to enjoying his job and having a good relationship with the board, a welcome change from his time at St Alex and Cathy liked the city and the people who lived there, and the three boys liked it too.
0: Winning the league would give Aberdeen a crack at the European Cup. And after defeating Austria-Vienna 1-0 on aggregate, the Dons were given one of their toughest tests yet, as they were drawn against Liverpool. Ferguson and Knox went down to Anfield to watch their opponents in the next round play against Middlesbrough. They came across the great Bill Shankly at Anfield, and Shanks was in fine form, as Fergie described. We were thrilled to meet the great Ayrshireman. Hello Alec, good to see you. You're doing a terrific job up there, was Bill's greeting, and I was still stuttering my thanks when he went on. So, you're down to have a look at our great team. Archie and I, behaving like a pair of groupies, could only mumble an affirmative. Aye, they all try that, said Bill. Aberdeen had a very good side at the time when they played Liverpool but could not offer the best possible challenge due to an injury crisis that would plague their whole season. Bob Paisley's side won 1-0 at Pitaudry and dismantled the Dons 4-0 at Anfield. In the end, it was a disappointing season for Aberdeen as they finished second in the league behind Celtic and failed to win any other silverware, but they were making good progress frequently against the old firm. At this time, The two Glasgow Giants started to regularly be eclipsed by the so called new firm of Ferguson's Aberdeen and Jim McLean's Dundee United. 1981 82 was to be a much better season with yet more improvement. While Dundee United defeated the Dons over two legs in the semi finals of the League Cup, the Dons made good inroads in the UEFA Cup. They were drawn against the holders. Bobby Robson's Ipswich Town in the first round and defeated them 4-2 on aggregate, stunning the English media. Despite winning 3-0 at Petodre against the Romanian side Arges Petesti, the Dons were 2-0 down at half-time in the second leg and it took the hairdryer coming out at half-time when Gordon Strachan answered Fergie back, plus a smashed tea urn and set of teacups to turn the tie around. And progress 5-2 on aggregate. Aberdeen's UEFA Cup run ended in the quarterfinals against the Hamburg side that contained the great Franz Beckenbauer, but back home the Scottish Cup gave Dons fans plenty to cheer about. Defeating Motherwell, Kilmarnock, Celtic and St Mirren to reach the final, Rangers would lie in wait at Hampden. John McDonald scored first for Rangers in the 15th minute but Alec McLeish equalised just after half an hour with a wonderful curling shot. Aberdeen started to dominate play in the second half, and with the scores level at 1-1 at 90 minutes, extra time would decide the final. Mark McGee scored minutes after the restart, before Gordon Strachan and Neil Cooper added more goals to demolish Rangers 4-1. The Scottish Cup would be heading back to Pataudry for the first time since 1970, and it was another slice of success for Fergie as the Dons qualified for the Cup Winners' Cup. The Fergusons enjoyed their summer holiday in Malaga, where Alec combined spending time with his family with watching Jockstein's Scotland play at the World Cup, and when Scotland played Brazil, Sean Connery was in the party watching the game with Alec and his boys.
3: The following season was to prove massive in the history of Aberdeen FC. Despite only finishing third in the league, one point behind champions Dundee United, it was in European football that Aberdeen's northern lights really started to shine. The European Cup Winners' Cup campaign ended up being one of the best moments ever in the club's history, but few people who saw Aberdeen defeat Sion of Switzerland in the preliminary round could have expected just what was to come next. After defeating the Swiss 11-1 on aggregate, Aberdeen beat Dinamo Tirana of Albania 1-0 on aggregate before beating the Polish side Lech Poznan 3-0 over two legs. The quarterfinals of the tournament threw up one of the most daunting ties of all, though, a meeting home and away with German giants FC Bayern. A nil-nil draw at the Olympia Stadion was a respectable scoreline for any team to come away with. But when Bayern got an away goal at Petodri, it looked like getting through would take a colossal effort. Neil Simpson levelled the score and the teams went in drawing 1-1 at the break. But in the second half, Bayern took the lead once again. It would now take two goals to advance at the expense of the Bavarian powerhouse. Ferguson was able to make some substitutions and tweak his tactics, and Alex McLeish headed a Gordon Strachan cross into the back of Bayern's net to make it 2-2. John Hewitt was to prove the hero with his winner coming 13 minutes from time, and after defeating Bayern 3-2, the Don's reward was a semi-final tie against Watershy of Belgium. Watershire were defeated 5-1 at Petaudry, and although Aberdeen fell to a 1-0 defeat in Belgium, nobody of an Aberdeen persuasion cared particularly, as they had set up a Cup Winners' Cup final in Gothenburg against the mighty Real Madrid. Travelling with Jock Steen, the Scotland manager told Ferguson to give Real's manager, the great Alfredo Di Stefano, a bottle of whisky before the game when they met. Steen's reason for doing this was a clever example of the mind games that he had learned over the years from the likes of Heleno Herrera, the legendary Inter boss. Steen's words to Ferguson were, Let him feel important, as if you are thrilled just to be in the final and only there to make up the numbers. This had the desired effect, and Real Madrid would have fancied themselves to beat a team from the northeast of Scotland when they stepped out of the heavy rain at Ulevi in May 1983. As it transpired, the Spanish giants weren't going to have everything go their own way. Only seven minutes into the match, Eric Black scored for Aberdeen, much to the delight of the travelling support and Ian St John in his role as a summariser for British television. Aberdeen's joy didn't last too long, though, as Alex McLeish brought down Santiana in the box and Juanito scored the resultant penalty. Despite the error, Alex McLeish went on to have a superb game and barely made another mistake. After 90 minutes, the score was still level at 1-1 and it seemed like Real were settling for penalties. Not Aberdeen, though. The Dons continued to drive forward in numbers, and got the reward when John Hewitt headed the ball into the Real Madrid net to win the game 2-1. The dawn parted long into the night, and when they arrived back in Aberdeen, they found a sea of red and white there to welcome them back. Aberdeen had done the unthinkable. They had won a major European honor, and they had done it by beating not one but two European superpowers on their way to the title. After the celebrations from Gothenburg had just about died down, the Scottish Cup was retained against Rangers at Hampden, as Eric Blatt scored Aberdeen's winner in the 116th minute of the game. Ferguson berated his televisions on television straight after the game, only to climb down the following day and congratulate them. It might not have been the most entertaining of games, but the Dons' mentality had changed from just being happy to be in finals to finding the determination to grind out ugly wins when it mattered, none more so than in these cup finals. Having won a cup double with the Scottish Cup and Cup Winners Cup, Rangers were looking for a new manager after getting rid of John Gregg and asked Alex Ferguson if he'd be interested in the job. He declined and so did his rival Jim McLean as Jock Wallace returned to Ibrox. The main reason that Fergie turned Rangers down was due to his experience there as a player and the attitudes of some at the club towards him being married to Cathy, who was a Catholic. Ultimately he was happy in the Northeast and believed there was still more to be done with his project at Aberdeen before he moved on. Even though he turned down the Rangers job, It was clear that Alex Ferguson was becoming hot property in football management.
0: Having fell short of the title, and a treble, the previous season, winning the league became Aberdeen's new priority. The Dons started off very well in the league, defeating Dundee 3-0 in the first game of the season and following it up with a 5-0 rout of St Johnston. While Dundee United and Hibbs would inflict defeats upon Fergie's side in September and October respectively, those were the only two defeats they would suffer in the first half of the season. After being beaten by Hibbs, the Dons wouldn't lose again until March, when Celtic won 1-0 against them at Celtic Park. And following that up with a 1-1 draw at home to Hearts gave Celtic some hope of snatching the league back. Aberdeen responded in the best possible way by going on a six-game winning streak, and sealed the title with a 2-2 draw at home to Hibbs that saw Stuart McKimmy score his first goal for Aberdeen. In the Scottish Cup, Aberdeen once again reached the final, which would give them a chance to make up for the disappointment of losing in the League Cup semi-finals to Celtic. To reach the Scottish Cup final, The Dons had to overcome Kilmarnock in a replay at Rugby Park after a 1-1 draw at Pataudry. Clyde were beaten 2-0 before Dundee United were beaten 1-0 in a replay. Dundee were then beaten 2-0 in the semi-finals thanks to goals from Gordon Strachan and Ian Porteous. And this was a tie that brought Ferguson up against his former assistant Archie Knox, who had left Aberdeen to take over at Dens Park in December 1983 as Willie Gardner moved into the role of Ferguson's assistant. In the final against Celtic, Eric Black put the Reds ahead with an acrobatic overhead kick after a corner, and it was more bad news for Celtic in the 38th minute, as Roy Aitken was sent off by referee Bob Valentine for a crunching tackle on Mark McGee. Celtic held on and drew level only four minutes from time, when Paul McStay rifled a shot past Jim Layton. Aberdeen hit the post in extra time before Mark McGee sealed the Cup win with a powerful shot in the 98th minute, and for the third year running, the Cup was heading back to Pataudry. This was only the second time that a team had won the Cup three consecutive times in the 20th century, and it saw Aberdeen become the first team from outside of Glasgow to win a league and Scottish Cup double. In the Cup Winners' Cup, The Dons once again proved themselves to be among the cream of Europe, and were fancied by many to retain the trophy after avoiding Juventus and Manchester United in the semi-finals, but ultimately came up short in disappointing games against Porto. Another piece of European silverware was added to the Petaudry trophy cabinet in the European Super Cup though, as the Dons beat the European Cup champions Hamburg with a 2-0 win at Petaudry after a goalless first leg in Hamburg. Moreover, it was clear that Ferguson was a wanted man, as not only did he replace Jim McLean as Jockstein's assistant manager at the Scotland national team, Tottenham Hotspur were rebuffed three times by Fergie as they looked to replace Keith Birkinshaw. Ferguson told his players he was trying to set an example by showing loyalty to the club. But with Aberdeen continuing to be successful, How long could this last for? The players were starting to gain recognition for their exploits, with Gordon Strachan going to Manchester United, Mark McGee going to Hamburg, and Doug Rugby going to Chelsea. New faces such as Billy Stark, who Ferguson had managed at Love Street, came in and settled right into the first team at Aberdeen. Aberdeen retained the league in 1985 but were knocked out of the second round of the League Cup by Ali McLeod's Airdreonians. Further disappointment came in the Scottish Cup, as Aberdeen aimed to become the first side ever to win the Cup four times in a row, but Jim McLean's Dundee United knocked the Dons out in a semi-final replay. After their exploits the previous two seasons in the Cup Winners' Cup, Aberdeen went out of the European Cup on penalties in the first round against the East German side, Dinamo Berlin. The Dons did win the Youth Cup against Celtic though, proving that there would be good things to come from Fergie's production line of youth players in the near future. Not long into the 1985-86 season, Ferguson's workload was to increase due to the sudden and tragic death of Steen during a Scotland international match against Wales. As Scotland's assistant manager, Ferguson was thrust into the role of temporary Scotland manager until after the 1986 World Cup in Mexico. Somehow, he was able to manage to do both jobs and was determined to finally get his hands on the one domestic trophy that had eluded him for years, the League Cup. After a 2-0 aggregate win over Dundee United in the semi-finals, the Dons finally got their hands on the League Cup for the first time since 1976 with a 3-0 win over Hibernian. The Dons would make it a double of cups when they swept Hearts aside by the same scoreline in the Scottish Cup final. It perhaps helped that Hearts had just lost the title to Celtic on the final day of the season thanks to Albert Kidd's two late goals for Dundee, but Aberdeen's superiority on the park won the day. Ferguson and his wife Cathy took the trophy to Aberdeen's vice chairman Chris Anderson's house to let him see it. Unfortunately, he was suffering badly from the effects of motor neuron disease and passed away not long after the final. Aberdeen performed better in the European Cup, reaching the quarterfinals by beating Akranes of Iceland and Servette of Switzerland. Being drawn against IFK Gothenburg in the quarters, there was to be no happy return to the city of their Cup Winners Cup win, as they went out on away goals after a 2-2 draw at Petaudry and a goalless draw in Sweden. Following the conclusion of the domestic season, Fergie took charge of the national team's preparations for Mexico, and even went to visit Sir Alf Ramsey for advice ahead of the tournament, something no England manager had ever done since his departure from the FA. It was a disappointing tournament for the Scots as Kenny Dalgleish withdrew through injury before the squad departed for Mexico and poor results against Denmark and West Germany made it tough against a brutal Uruguay side who had a man sent off within one minute of the game starting. A 0-0 draw saw Scotland return home at the first opportunity yet again much to the disappointment of their manager who stepped aside for Andy Roxborough upon returning home. By 1986, things were changing in Scottish football. David Holmes had not long completed his takeover of Rangers, who had been left behind by Celtic and the new firm of Aberdeen and Dundee United, and he was prepared to spend money to get the light blues back to the top of the table. While clubs like Aberdeen and United had been able to compete with the old firm up until this point, the vast amounts of money the Glasgow clubs would spend over the next few years would leave the rest of Scottish football far behind them. Ferguson realised that with Graham Souness coming in at Rangers and having money to spend, Aberdeen's days as top dogs would probably be coming to an end soon. In addition to this, he felt that he was becoming constrained by the limitations of Pataudry and was looking for a new challenge elsewhere. In addition to previous offers from Rangers and Tottenham Hotspur, Wolverhampton Wanderers and Arsenal had been interested in Fergie, but all those offers had been rebuffed. When meeting with Dick Donald, Aberdeen's chairman, to tell him he was thinking of moving on at the end of 1987, this is what was said. He said categorically that there was only one job I should consider preferable to the one I held at Aberdeen asked to name the club, he said Manchester United if you really want a challenge that is the biggest in football Archie Knox returned as joint manager from Dundee and the season started with a 2-1 defeat to Dundee United at Tannadice. results were relatively steady but the Dons fell to a quarter final defeat at the hands of Celtic in the League Cup on the 4th of November Manchester United fell to a 4-1 defeat to Southampton at the Dell, and their manager, Ron Atkinson, was sacked with the Red Devils' second bottom of the English 1st Division. The next day, United made contact directly with Ferguson, and their representatives, including Chairman Martin Edwards and Bobby Charlton, made their way to Bishop Briggs to Cathy's sister's house out of the way of the media. Dick Donald offered to give Ferguson full control of the club in a final attempt to keep him at Pataudry, but fate was calling Fergie down to Manchester. Cathy was not keen on moving to England and was very happy living in Aberdeen, but ultimately, she knew that Alex's career was going to take him there no matter what.
3: And with that, Alex Ferguson departed Pataudry. In just over eight years in charge in the northeast, he had taken a side with a bridesmaid's mentality and transformed them into serial winners. Ian Porterfield had the unenviable task of taking over at Aberdeen from Ferguson, but things were never quite the same at Pataudry post-Fergie. Since his departure in November 1986, the club has been unable to win trophies in the same manner as Ferguson had them doing on a regular basis. On his arrival at Old Trafford, it took time for Ferguson to eradicate the drinking culture that existed within the players and bring success to the club, with his first trophy coming with the FA Cup in 1990. After that, United went from strength to strength, going on to dominate the Premier League for much of the next two decades. Those are ultimately stories for another time, though. And this concludes our four-part series about Sir Alex Ferguson's career in Scotland. It's definitely fair to say that the Govan boy has done well for himself.
1: At the start of the podcast, we asked you how many trophies Alex Ferguson won in his time at Aberdeen. The answer is 11. In a prelude to his vast trophy hall at Manchester United, Fergie won three league championships, four Scottish Cups one League Cup and one Dryborough Cup in addition to his famous European Cup Winners' Cup triumph in Gothenburg and subsequent UEFA Super Cup. He would later go on to win the Cup Winners' Cup again with United in 1991, beating Barcelona and Rotterdam.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of the Scottish Football Citizen. Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And join us again next week when we'll be looking back at more of the best of Scottish football from the past. If you'd like an extra football fix in your inbox every Tuesday, you can subscribe to Football Memories Scotland's weekly newsletter, The Football Special, and receive an email full of excellent pictures and stories from days gone by. To find out more, email Lindsay at lindsay.hamilton at scottishfootballmuseum.com .org.uk The Scottish Football Citizen is written, edited and produced by Andy Kerr for Football Memories Scotland, in association with Alzheimer Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. Additional contributions from Robert Harvey, Jim Orr, Lindsay Hamilton and Richard McBreathey. Special thanks to Alan Johnston for his contributions towards making this episode. Additional material from Managing My Life by Sir Alec Ferguson, The Glasgow Times The Glasgow Herald The Times of London and Fergie Rises How Britain's Greatest Football Manager was made at Aberdeen by Michael Grant